Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Moses looked out at a hungry people, and it was a hungry people that he could not feed himself. If you look back in the Old Testament, you find that some of you may know the story. For those of you who may know, let's do a little refresher. For those of you who may not know the story, let's hear it for the first time. Israel was held captive in slavery for hundreds of years in Egypt. And then God raised up a deliverer. He raised up Moses to go into Egypt and deliver his people. And so by a, by a series of plagues, by a series of these signs and wonders that God brought up on Egypt, you find that the people of Israel were released. And each one of those plagues was specifically targeting one of the gods of Egypt, a god or a goddess who should have been able to avoid these plagues, but they could not because the one true God sent them. And then the final one, the final moment that broke the stranglehold that Egypt had on the people of Israel was the death of the firstborn. The, the firstborn of every family, the firstborn of every animal died unless the blood of that Passover lamb had been spread over the door and they were not destroyed. And so then you find that Moses leads the people of Israel. They are out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. God miraculously provides uh, the, the dividing of the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. They cross over. And so now they are primed to enter into the promised land. But uh, spoiler alert, they don't. They do not trust God. And so they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But you find that a month and a half outside of Egypt, a month and a half past this captivity, this freedom from captivity, you find that the people start complaining. They start grumbling. They start saying, we're hungry. They start saying, Moses, whenever we were in Egypt, we could eat as much bread as we wanted. We could eat as much meat as we wanted. And now, here we are out in the middle of this place. You've brought us out here to die. And you find that God responds to Moses and God says, I'm going to send bread and I'm going to send bread from heaven and that is what the people will eat. And we find this recorded in Exodus chapter 16, verse 14. When the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Literally translated, what is it, into the Hebrew is manna. That's what manna means. What is it? It's a question. So literally, they said to one another, manna. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. An omer is about nine and one-third cups. And so God says, go out and gather this amount. 
And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. So they go out and when they gather up all of the manna and they start divvying it up, they find that everybody has exactly the amount they needed to be filled. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it as much as he could eat. When the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. So right before the Sabbath, God said, don't go out and gather on this day. Don't go out and gather then because there won't be any, but gather twice as much on the day before and keep it. All the other days, if they had tried to stockpile manna to sustain them the next day, you find that it It rotted, and it smelled bad, and there were worms in it from the flies. But you find on this day, God supernaturally keeps it preserved for them. And so God had provided manna, and then you find, as per usual, the people of Israel, after they eat manna for a while, they get sick of it. And they start complaining to Moses. All we see is this manna, they said. You you also find this. This is in Exodus 16, a little farther down, verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so Moses tells them, that God says, get some of this manna, put it in a jar, put it before the Lord. We find out later this is the, the pot of manna that ends up in the Ark of the Covenant. And it apparently, biblically, was sustained, and it never got bad. There were never any worms in it. It never rotted. It never smelled bad. God supernaturally kept it as a testimony for all the generations of how he had miraculously provided for them. Exodus 16 goes on to say that they ate manna for the entire 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. And then you find in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. This is just before they leave the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. And he humbled you, and listen how he humbled them. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. The man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Moses tells them, the reason, the reason that this happened to you 
was so that you would understand, so that you would understand that God is the one who provided, that God is the one who sustained you, that God is the one who did this work, and he let you get hungry so he would feed you with manna, manna that you did not know so that you would know God. That's what it says. Then you find in Joshua chapter 5, they cross over the Jordan, they enter into the land, and the day after the Passover, Joshua 5.11, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, and the manna ceased. The day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So they eat manna all the way up to the promised land, and then as soon as they eat the produce of the land that God had promised them, the manna ceases. God has supernaturally sustained them until they entered into the land where God was going to continue to supernaturally sustain them just by a different means. Now you say, that's all great, but I thought we were in John. I thought we were talking about the miracles and signs, the seven signs of Jesus in the book of John. Well, we are, which brings us to John chapter 6. Because in John chapter 6, Jesus looks out at a hungry people. And unlike Moses, who couldn't do anything himself about it, Jesus can, because Jesus is the Son of God. And so Jesus performs a sign to let those around him know exactly who he is. We've said that. That's the purpose of a sign that you find in the New Testament. A sign is an authenticating mark. It is something that distinguishes one from another. It is a signature. It is an autograph. And when Jesus does these things, he's pointing back to himself and he's saying, I am God. And so we have Jesus in Galilee, And you find in John chapter 6, verse 1, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, another name of it, or another name for it. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. The Passover where they would celebrate uh, and, and remember the deliverance that God gave them from Egypt. The same Passover that they celebrated that day when they entered into the promised land and the manna ceased. That Passover that showed that they had been freed and now in Jesus' day they're coming up on that feast. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Where are we going to buy some bread, Philip? Look at all these people, 5,000 men. Some commentators have suggested if women and children were there, maybe that number was twice or three or four times as many. But they numbered the men, the household heads, so uh, he, looks at, he looks at Philip, where are we going to buy food so that all these people can eat? The other Gospels record that these people were weary, they were tired. Jesus wanted to give them something so they would be able to make it back home because they had been with him for so long. Notice what Philip said. First look at verse 6. 
He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus is talking to Philip. He already knows what he's going to do. But he says, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people? I already know what I'm going to do. But let me just see. I'm going to test Philip. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each one of them to get a little. 200 days wages would not be enough to give these people just a crouton, much less buy them enough bread so they could eat to be filled. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus looks out at this hungry people and says, I can do something about this. But Jesus performs this act. Jesus performs this particular sign. And when he performs this sign, he's doing it for a specific reason, remember, to point back to himself that he is God. But you find when you read in the book of Mark, and you have to read on down because you look at chapter 6. Now, we're going to talk about the next sign next week that's found in the book of John. It's found in John 6. It occurs right after this. It's Jesus walking on the water. But it's important to understand that all of chapter 6 is all tied together. Because all throughout chapter 6, Jesus keeps indicating things that people can't do themselves. He keeps pointing back to the impossibility of relying upon yourself. And we'll get more to that next week. But he keeps pointing back to that. And you find that after this, this sign of walking on the water, you find that Mark records this. Mark chapter 6, verse 52. This isn't in your outline, but just jot it down. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Speaking of his disciples, Mark records that what went on here with Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus fell on hard hearts with the disciples, and they didn't get what he was trying to say. And these are the guys who were with him. They didn't get what he was communicating. And I think it's really easy for us to not get what he was communicating. But thankfully, we have the rest of John chapter 6. Because Jesus lays out and points back to what happens here on the mountainside when he feeds the multitude. And he lays it out for those who were there, those who had heard. He lays it out the very next day after he walks on the water. He's in Capernaum with his disciples. And he starts talking about himself. The day before, there's this miracle with the bread. The disciples don't understand what he was saying about the loaves. Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life or the bread from heaven. And it's a callback to the day before. And the day before is a callback 
to what happened with Moses and Israel with the manna in the wilderness. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 28. This is the next day he's in the synagogue at Capernaum there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. (laughs) They're they're saying, What sign are you going to do? Because remember what Moses did? Moses gave us manna. Jesus said, Moses didn't give you manna. God gave you manna. And God is giving you bread from heaven even now. Notice the people who are there in the synagogue, they miss it. They think he's talking about real bread. Real bread so they don't have to bake bread anymore. Real bread so they don't have to grind grain anymore. It's like the woman at the well in Samaria when he says, he starts talking to her about this living water. And she's like, that's the water I want so I don't have to come to the well. And they're saying, that's the kind of bread we want. Give us that kind of bread. Notice what Jesus tells them. Sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus, as the bread of life, is sent graciously. Just like the manna was sent graciously in the wilderness, just like Jesus gave this multitude bread when they were hungry, the bread of life, Jesus himself, he is sent graciously. And he is sent by God. It's a work of God. Manna was a work of God. The miracle of feeding the multitude was a work of God. Jesus himself being sent was a work of God. Nobody could do that except for God. You find over in Matthew chapter 14, verse 16, it's the same incident. It's the same sign, the same miracle. The disciples said, there's too many people here, send them away. Let them go find some food on their own. Jesus says, there's no need to send them away. He says, you give them something to eat. Imagine what the disciples would have thought. He wants us to give him something to eat. He wants us to give them. We don't have any food. What is he talking about? We can't do that. In a very similar vein as he's speaking to Philip, where can we find food for these? Philip's like, you can't find food for all these people. We don't, we don't have enough money to buy that kind of food. In the same way, Jesus is saying, okay, guys, give them something to eat. We don't have anything. We have nothing. This was to show them and give them a clear indication, you can't do this on your own. Has Jesus ever done that with you? Put you in a situation where you finally realize you can't do this on your own. 
Oh, he'll do it just like, just like back in Deuteronomy, we find that reminder. God let them hunger. God let them wander. God let them wonder on top of that and then fed them so that they might know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So that they would know that their, their life, being, these things being sent to them, given to them, were given to them by God. This was not a human effort. Many years ago when I was a teacher, I was in a chapel service. We had a guest speaker come. And the guest speaker spoke on this, this passage from the book of John. And he said, the really amazing thing is what really happened. The amazing thing when we read this is that we see when this little boy was willing to give up his lunch, then all the other people in the multitude were, were convicted and they all gave up their lunches and everybody shared so everybody had enough. That's the amazing thing. I said, no, the amazing thing is that you read that and got that out of it. That's what's amazing, right? That was the last time he spoke at our chapel, by the way. But it's a, it's a work of God. No person did this. They did not give them something to eat. God gave them something to eat. Just as he sent the manna, just as Jesus multiplied the bread, so too God sent his son, the bread of life, Jesus graciously. That's what we find here. He, uh, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And then he says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Using the Old Testament covenantal name of God, the I am, the ever existent one, the one who always has been, the one who always will be, the great I am, and I am the bread of of life. But there's a callback to this, or at least the idea of God being so gracious in his giving in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being God of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Jesus, as the bread of life, is sent graciously, and everything that we have is given to us by God. Everything that we have in order to live is given to us graciously by God. Now, I know sometimes we'll say, yeah, but God wants us to help ourselves. You know, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible, first of all. Secondly, that's a really bad way to live. No, God is the one who works in us. God provides, God gives. It's not a matter of human effort. If it were left to human effort, we would not be able to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. We aren't able to believe, we aren't able to follow, we aren't able to do any of this stuff unless there's the power of God. And God gives this graciously. It's a work of grace, and he gives. Just as he sent his son, it's a work of grace when he gave us Jesus. And so we trust in him. We follow him. But not only that, Jesus is the bread of life. He sustains completely. Look back at, look back at verse 11 and 12. There in John chapter 6, they eat as much as they want. 
They ate their fill. Jesus is sustaining them completely. Nobody's saying, I wish I had a little bit more bread. Oh, but Jesus ran out. I wish I'd had, I wish I'd had another bite or two. No, they ate until they were full. And then on top of that, they gathered up the remnants, they gathered up the leftovers, they gathered up all the crumbs and the crusts, and the disciples found there were 12 baskets worth. There's a basket for every disciple. A basket for every one of the guys. Remember the wilderness? Remember the manna? Everybody had just enough after they measured it all out in the same way. Here's Jesus, these 12 guys who were serving with him, not to leave them out. You guys each get a basket. Every one of you gets a lunch basket. So each one of them gets enough to eat as well. Jesus sustains completely, and this is what he says the next day in Capernaum. Look at John chapter 6, verse 43. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day, as it is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from the Father, or he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus says the bread of life sustains completely as this manna sustained the people in the wilderness for those 40 years but yet, in the same token, it sustained their physical life, but they died physical deaths. Just as this bread that Jesus provides to the multitude is going to sustain them for that day, that daily bread he has given them, they are still going to need more bread the next day. They're still going to need more sustenance. And here's Jesus saying, listen, I'm the bread of life. You eat of me? If I am up, if I am the one that you are depending upon, I sustain you completely. Completely and totally. And then you find they get into a debate about eating his flesh. Wait a minute. Well, this guy's talking about eating his flesh. That's really bizarre. What's he doing? What does this even mean? But you find that Jesus sustains completely as the bread of life. He upholds all things. That's what God's word tells us. Hebrews 1:3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The fact that Jesus sustains everything, that should give us great comfort. It should give all of us great comfort. If Jesus is sustaining everything, do you know what that means? Things aren't out of control because he is the one who is sustaining them. That also means that our lives have a purpose. Our lives have meaning because Jesus is the one sustaining us. He's not sustaining us to just get by. He is sustaining us to live for him and do his will. Your purpose in life is not just, well, I just need to survive. No, that is not your purpose in life is just to survive. I've had people tell me that over years. Well, I just think my purpose is just to survive. 
Well, you need to get yourself a bigger purpose. And you need to go to God's word and realize what he has called you to live for. Remember, we talked about this last week. You are saved from the wrath of God for the purposes of God. So things aren't out of control because he's sustaining completely. Where is it in your life that Jesus may be calling on you to depend upon him so that he can sustain you? And you're running to all sorts of other things. He's the provider, then he's the sustainer. I have, I've talked to people over the years who don't have a problem with Jesus being the provider. They do have a problem with him being the sustainer. They're like, well, he gave, and now he wants me to go, and he wants me to do with everything that he gave me. No. Give us this day our daily bread. See, here, here's, here's what we do. We try to find the best bread, and we run, and we try to accumulate as much bread as we can, right? Let's get this bread, right? And we get all this bread, and then we think all the bread is going to make us happy. All the bread is going to be what sustains us because we got it by our efforts. And then we can't figure out why the next day the bread is stinking and the bread is, is rotting and the bread is corrupt. It's because we're not depending upon Christ to sustain us. He's the one who sustains us completely as the bread of life. So not only that, Jesus says the bread of life endures eternally. Look at what Jesus continues talking about in John chapter 6. Pick up verse 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Now, can I just tell you, that's, that's divine logic right there. He says, I have been sent from the Father. And I live because of the Father. And if you depend upon me, then you're going to live. Because we are intertwined, the Father and the Son. And this life that I have is the life that the Father has. And then because we live, and if you are in us, you're going to live as well. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Why? Because Jesus, as the bread of life, endures eternally. And if we're feeding on the bread of life, we endure eternally as well. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Look at what John says in this little parenthetical reference. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. It doesn't come as any surprise when people are like, Jesus, this is a hard saying. I don't know if I can follow it. And Jesus says, mm-hmm, that's right. I knew that was coming. It didn't catch him off guard. Verse 65, and he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. You endure eternally. You have the words of eternal life. We're depending upon, upon you. Where else would we go? We don't have anywhere else to go. Because you're the enduring one. You're the eternal one. Jesus, Jesus says the bread of life is that manna that doesn't rot and doesn't stink, that was kept as a testimony for all those generations. That's pointing forward to him. There's going to be bread that comes down from heaven that never goes bad, that endures eternally, that is always going to be there to sustain, that's always going to be there to give life. That's what's going on here. This bread they ate the day before, they're going to need more bread the next day. But this spiritual bread that comes from Jesus, that's a once for all, and it sustains forever. John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, I will give them eternal life, that the, and they will never perish. Never. Never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Listen, if you've heard me say before, if you've trusted God with your eternity, you can trust him with your next 24 hours. If he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, he also has control of the middle. If you're saying, well, I'm going to trust him forever. Okay, well, tomorrow is covered in that. The next 24 hours are covered in that. He endures eternally. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus endures eternally. Not only that, Jesus empowers our endurance for all eternity. He's the one who keeps us. Not only has he given us salvation, he's the one who sustains our salvation, and he is the one who secures our salvation. You find that Jesus, as the bread of life, the bread from heaven, is far better than anything Moses could have ever seen. And when Moses looked out at that hungry people and realized there is nothing I can do, and when the disciples looked out upon this hungry people and said, there is nothing I can do, Jesus looked out at their physical needs and said, there is something I can do, but I can do more, and I will do more because I'm going to meet not only their physical needs, but their physical needs is pointing back to me meeting all their deepest spiritual needs. See, they were hungry, and they knew they were physically hungry, but some of them didn't know they were spiritually hungry. And Jesus said, I'm going to meet that need too, even if they don't know how hungry they are. Sometimes people are just hungry and hard, and then they run after all sorts of other things, to be fed, and those things rot and stink, and you got to go find more bread the next day and 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 try to accumulate as much bread as you can. But it's just accumulating uh, just a mass, a stockpile of things that are going to rot away, pass away, stink, and have no lasting purpose. But Jesus, on the other hand, he's the bread of life, He's the bread that comes down from heaven. 
He's the bread that has been given. He's the bread that sustains us, and he's that bread that endures. Have you, have you had that bread? Have you had that bread? Have you come to Jesus and received that bread from him, he himself, into your life? It, for some of you, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching or listening, maybe, maybe God's telling you, kind of like he told the disciples, you want to keep doing this? You want to do this on your own? Can you do this on your own? The answer is no. The answer is Jesus. He is that bread. If you haven't received him today, let today be that day that you say yes and receive the bread from heaven in the person of Jesus that was given so graciously as he lived a sinless life and died a death on a cross for our sins so that we might know God through him by faith. We might be forgiven. And not only that, once you come to Christ, he's the one who sustains you. Maybe some of you here today, you say, I've been trying to do it on my own. I know that God saved me, but now I've been trying to do all the rest by my own power. Don't do that. Allow God to sustain you through Christ. And recognize that we endure eternally because God endures eternally and Jesus endures eternally. And he is that bread of life that if we have a part of that, we too will live forever. Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven. And he's far better than any other bread that we could ever imagine. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. We're thankful. We're thankful for the bread of life, from the bread that came down from heaven, Jesus himself, that it's not dependent upon us. It's not because, it's not because we deserved it, but just because you're gracious. It's not because we can make it happen and, and keep up appearances or, or keep up the walk on our own, but it's because you sustain us. And it's not because of anything that we did or did not do that enables us to endure, but it is because of your power through Jesus working in us. Father, I pray today, whatever decision that needs to be made, whether it's just receiving Christ as the bread of life, whether it's being reminded to not be dependent upon ourselves in order to accomplish the things that you have called us to do because you are the one who empowers us to accomplish your purposes. It's your purpose. It's your power. And so we pray that we would depend fully upon you. Maybe there's someone here this morning, Lord God, that's been worried about tomorrow. Father, I pray that they would recognize if they've placed their trust in Christ for eternity, that he has the next 24 hours quite under control. Father, I pray in this time, whatever decision needs to be made, 